The following pre-recorded program is paid for by SSI Guardian. Welcome to Living Well with Dr. Peg. With your host, psychologist Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark, Living Well with Dr. Peg explores a variety of mental health, wellness, and safety topics. Brought to you by SSI Guardian, Living Well with Dr. Peg shares effective and practical psychological strategies based on biblical principles for living well. To learn more about the show or Dr. Peg's mental health consulting and publishing services, visit drpegradio.com. And now, here's your host, Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark. Welcome back to another episode of Living Well with Dr. Peg, brought to you every week by our sponsor, SSI Guardian. We're coming to you from Denver, Colorado, and streaming around the world online and from your smartphone apps. If you missed last week's episode or any episode of Living Well with Dr. Peg, be sure to go to drpegradio.com, that's D-R-P-E-G, radio.com, for the program archives. And you can also check out information about the show, my sponsor, and how you can take advantage of my mental health, wellness, and safety consulting services, workshops, and books. Well, many of us have lost loved ones and may even have experienced that loss during the holiday season. It's so hard to feel the joy of Christmas and gratitude at Thanksgiving when you've suffered the loss of a loved one. My guest today has experienced the pain of losing a loved one and will share her balancing act of grief and gratitude during the holidays. Lene Hutt is an ordained minister with a heart for women and married couples, and she's here to share her testimony of grief, gratitude, and giving. Lene Hutt, thank you for being with us today, and welcome to the program. Thank you for having me. It's a blessing to have you. You're just a dear friend of mine, and um, I want you to share uh, your experiences with with our topic today. Uh, The holidays can just be tough folks uh, in general. I think even sometimes when people haven't even lost a loved one, the holidays can be challenging because there's such high expectations of just being joyous and up and, you know, everything's Mm -hmm. shiny and glittery. And some people don't have money for the gifts that, you know, the culture expects, expects us to spend money on. And it can just be a downer anyway for some folks. And then those of us who have lost loved ones, either actually at the holiday season or at any other point in the previous year or previous years, it can be tough, can it? It absolutely can. Yeah. And you you lost your sister, Kim, uh, to suicide. And um, one of the themes of this program is mental health awareness and um, suicide prevention. I've done many shows on that topic. And so I, I, I've asked you here to share. I know it's a it's a tough thing to talk about. Um, but there's so much um, inspiration, I think, in your story of um, your journey with your sister and, and life without her. Uh, can you uh, give listeners a sense of who your sister Kim was or any just anecdotes or stories that uh, really that you could share that would really show her personality or her character? I would love to. She was a sweetheart. Um, Kim was very compassionate. She was very caring. She was very loving. She was very meek and soft-spoken. Mm. You know, if she entered into a room of people, she would hardly say anything, mm. you know, maybe just agree with comments that are being made. Very laid back. But once you got to know her, you couldn't help but to love her. I mean, she was a genuine, um, just by character and by nature, just very loving and caring. Mm-hmm. She didn't have any children, um, my children, 
and her other my other sister's children she just embraced them and loved them like a second mother mm-hmm. uh, to know her was to love her a matter of fact one of the ministers at her eulogy um, said that she was so sweet her name should have been sweetie no <laughs> uh, but just by character just a genuine person mm-hmm. she would do anything for you mm-hmm. if there was a need she would find a way to try to meet that need. Mm. Not even knowing you, she would try to brainstorm and figure out how she could help anyone. Mm-hmm. And so you grew up very close. Uh, you, yes. you have another sister as well, don't you? Yes. Kim and I were a year and 11 months apart, so we did everything together. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, right after middle school, it was, you know, high school together. A year later, I was coming right along behind her. So wherever you saw her, you pretty much Mm -hmm. saw me. That was Mm -hmm. kind of the theme growing up. (laughs) And then our Mm -hmm. other sister, she was younger. She was five years apart from me, Mm -hmm. uh, six years apart from Kim. So there was a little distance between, you know, with the age. So we were definitely close. I actually moved here to Colorado because of her. Mm. Yeah. Well, and I'm grateful that you moved to Colorado because we got the opportunity to get to know each other. Well, as sweet as Kim was and as a loving and giving person as she was, she really suffered from depression throughout her life, didn't she? Well, you know, what's interesting about that is she was diagnosed in 2006 with breast cancer. Mm -hmm. And prior to that, she didn't really show severe signs of depression. She was lonely because she was single and, you know, she desired to, you know, get married one day and have her own children. But that never happened. So she did struggle with that but not in a way you would have identified it as severe Mm. as it was when she was diagnosed with the breast cancer. Mm. Um, That diagnosis kicked her into a depression that we had never seen before. Mm. Um, After her suicide attempt, and when I talked to her therapist, the therapist actually said after his 13 years of practice, he had never seen anyone so severely depressed Mm. as Kim. So we wondered if there was some depression there that we didn't know about, that she kept silent Mm -hmm. into herself. And there was a silence that she suffered that no one knew about because she was so, you know, quiet. And, you know, she was a very personal person as well. So Mm -hmm. she kept things to herself. Right. So so that anyone who's listening might be able to recognize the signs in someone they may be concerned about. Can you talk a little bit about um before it became severe, looking back, because we can always look back with 2020, you know, hindsight vision. Um, what could you say were some of those more subtle signs prior to her um, first uh, attempting suicide and being treated by the psychiatrist? What would the, what did that look like? Just so that if anyone is listening and they're concerned that they might be able to recognize that. Isolation. Okay. Yeah, when someone who, you know, doesn't have a problem with interacting with people, but at times they tend to isolate themselves Mm -hmm. and they don't really want to connect with people that they love, even those that are really close to them. Like, for example, her niece and her nephew, Mm -hmm. there were times when she really didn't want to interact or be involved, you know. Mm -hmm. So when I look back on those occasions, I say maybe there was times when she was, you know, depressed Mm -hmm. about her own personal journey at that time and season in her life. Right. And so being quiet by nature anyway, it may not have seemed as pronounced, uh, but it still was a change for her because she loved her nieces and nephews. So to the extent that she would isolate herself, that that was a red flag looking back. Absolutely. And so for our listeners, any any time you see a marked change in a person's baseline behavior, 
Uh, they may be quiet and kind of low-key to begin with, but when you see a change where they're even more so, or even a sudden change in the opposite direction where they are more gregar- gregarious and outgoing, it's still a market change, and it's something to pay attention to. Right. Yeah. And Absolutely. so uh, talk about um, her first suicide attempt and what kind of led up to that and what happened and, and that she did survive that first attempt. Yes, she did. Thank God. Well, as I mentioned earlier, she was diagnosed in 2006 with breast cancer. And unfortunately, there was a series of events that occurred. You know, it seemed like it was one bad thing after the other. She did opt to have reconstructive surgery. Mm -hmm. And um, in the midst of the reconstructive surgery, she had a hematoma, Mm -hmm. um, scared her, scared our entire family. I mean, she literally, one breast was like the size of a cantaloupe, Mm -hmm. you know, and so that, you know, took her to another level of depression and not understanding what would occur. And I think also because she was very meticulous and very, um, you know, if you move something in her home, she would put it back in its <laughs> place. So everything was very neat, and very organized. And we talked um, on several occasions about the disfigurement, mm-hmm. you know, of her body, of her breast. And, you know, there were times when I know that she would, um, you know, just not understand why. She had to go through what she went through because she cared so much for herself. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. And so um, what? talk about the day leading up to that suicide attempt. Were, were there any indications that you saw? Or? There were none that um, I could say really stood out because there was so much, that, so much turmoil in her heart mm-hmm. that was going on. Um, on that particular day, uh, it was a Sunday, mm-hmm. and she was actually supposed to go to worship service with me, and she decided not to. So as I um, continued on with my evening, I was trying to connect with her to just check in with her to make sure that she was okay, and there was no answer, no response on her phone or anything. So I went over there, and unfortunately she had taken several pills, mm-hmm. um, and she had lined every bottle up. She had organized them on her vanity in Mm -hmm. her bathroom so that we would know exactly what she had taken. Mm -hmm. And so, of course, we rushed her to the hospital, and they were able to, you know, deal with that at Mm -hmm. that time. But prior, Dr. Pegg, there was nothing that, for me, that really stood out other than the traumatic situation that she Mm -hmm. was dealing with. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of a cautionary tale. If someone is going through um, just a life-altering event or a health crisis, uh, you might want to pay closer attention to how they're doing emotionally. And as I always teach people, uh, never be afraid to ask the question, are you thinking of killing yourself? Have you been thinking about hurting yourself? A lot of people are afraid to to ask that because they think by asking it, they're putting that idea in a person's head. Mm-hmm. But in fact, if someone is already thinking about suicide and you don't, and they're showing signs, and in this case, the signs weren't as evident. But someone who actually is saying, well, I'm kind of throwing all kinds of hints, and no one's asking me. I guess no one really cares. And for some people, that actually kind of tips the scales towards them making the decision to take their lives. So never be afraid to ask that question directly. Don't be afraid that it will put that idea in someone's head. It can really be the best thing you could do for a person. And you'd be surprised. Many people will tell the truth. Yes. If you ask them, are you thinking of killing yourself? They'll say yes. yes. <laughs> They'll tell you. Yes. Yeah. And then you can take appropriate action. 
So at this point, uh, she was being treated by a psychiatrist, and, and this is where the psychiatrist said she's one of the most severe cases of depression he had seen, he or she had seen. Um, what was going on at that point that led to that conclusion? Well, he had actually shared that with me after the third attempt, okay. the successful mm-hmm. attempt. He had shared that with me. But one of the things that the um, doctors did say is because she was such a quiet person and so reserved, she probably was hiding mm-hmm. some of those, you know, periods of depression that she could have undergone mm-hmm. that we didn't know anything about. Yes. The other thing, as you were, were sitting here talking, was coming to remembrances. Um, the doctor had cautioned me and how she was really good about covering up mm. her feelings. So when she would say that she was okay, she really wasn't. Mm-hmm. She she became really good at hiding her true feelings. Mm-hmm. Yes. And and so that's just part of the depression thinking mm-hmm. that some people think they're a burden to others even. Or if I told the truth about how I'm really feeling, they may not be able to handle it or they'll be better off without me. But that's really... Um, um, lie-based thinking, that exactly. the enemy is deceiving us and, and having us think that no one cares. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so, sadly, eventually, Kim did commit suicide. Yes. And so talk about um, the emotional aftermath for your family, because our, our topic today is dealing with these kinds of feelings that tend to come up during the holiday season. And for some people, they've actually lost loved ones during the holiday season. Right. And so it's just natural to think about them. So talk about what that was like for your family after Kim's tragic death. Well, you know, losing a, a loved one is always hard. And then you add the layer of a sudden death yes. and tragic death. Mm-hmm. Then you add the layer of suicide. Mm-hmm. And so there was so much grief and so much sorrow and so much sadness at the time, um, my now 21-year-old daughter was 11 and very close and very connected to her auntie. Mm-hmm. And so I think the one thing that I would like to share today is we got to make sure that we include our children mm-hmm. in the grieving process and allow them to grieve because sometimes us as adults, we don't think about their grieving as well. But it was very difficult, Dr. Pei. Mm-hmm. We had to definitely stay connected as a family. The one thing that we've been blessed with is to have people of faith, people that love the Lord and know the Lord surrounding us during mm-hmm. that time. And so the encouragement, the prayers, and the love that we received, I, I, can't, I can't even put words mm-hmm. to it, but we needed that. But there was also... Um, we're all human. There was a level of anger mm-hmm. that we all experience in the grieving process. You go through stages mm-hmm. and anger is one emotion that we have to acknowledge in that process of grieving. You know, for me, because, you know, there was two attempts mm-hmm. prior to the third. Mm-hmm. And on the second one, if you recall, the Lord actually brought Kim back mm. through say, prayer. Say more about that, Lene. Well, the second attempt, Kim actually took pills and she... Um, had carbon dioxide poisoning, mm-hmm. and she put herself in her car, in her garage, and just attempted to go to rest. Mm-hmm. Um, thank God I was able to, along with another minister of the gospel, um, go and check on her. Just I, believe, I don't believe just, it's coincidence, yeah, right? Yeah. It was nothing but the Lord. Mm-hmm. And we did find her in her garage. Mm-hmm. And uh, through prayer, me and the other minister just continued to pray. 
we did call the police and, you know, 911. And when they came to the house and they saw that there was no life in Kim, she mm. was not breathing, they pretty much would not allow us to touch her or do anything. But we just continued to pray. Mm -hmm. And one of the police officers, you know, he asked me to please just step aside. And he appreciated what I was doing, but he needed me to go in the house mm. and continue to pray. And then Kim started breathing mm. again. Amen. And we know it was nothing but mm. God. Mm. Um, but because he did bring her back the second time, the third time, which was a, a gunshot to the mm. head, you know, for me personally, I, I was angry at God. Mm. I felt like, God, why did you let her go after bringing her back? Mm -hmm. You know, maybe we just should have left it the second time mm. and then there wouldn't be so much pain and so much expectation, mm -hmm. you know, with the testimony of bringing her back and everything. So that anger was something that I had to definitely seek counsel mm -hmm. on along with my mother. Um, losing a child is not easy and she sought counsel. Mm -hmm. The church tells us that we need to seek our elders whenever, you know, we're going through situations and Counseling was a huge um, core instrument mm -hmm. in dealing with the pain. I know in the past, you know, we as um, adults, we kind of shunned away from counseling. I think it's more acceptable now, mm -hmm. um, but that was just a core part for all of us to have that healing process, the beginning process of healing, right. um, even for Samal, my 11-year-old at the time, uh, we sought counsel for children at Judy's house. I don't know if you've ever heard about heard Judy's that, house, no. but locally here in Denver, Brian Giese, um, a former Bronco player, mm. he lost his mother, Judy, mm. to cancer. And um, at the time that he was grieving, there was no one to support mm. his grief, so he started Judy's wow. house. So I got that um you know, care for my child. Mm -hmm. And you couldn't just drop your child off right. at Judy's house and just, you know, drop them off and go <laughs> on about your way. Right. One of the agreements was that the parents or the family member that got the child involved had to stay in okay. the home. Okay. You could either go to a nice comfy room and read a book mm -hmm. or you could become a parent or a dear loved one involved in a group session with other Adults, And that's mm -hmm. what I chose to do. Mm -hmm. So that was one of the beginning stages, you know, for me and my right. sister and my mom. They got, you know, counseling in their local communities mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. And did you feel initially a resistance to going to counseling that if you hadn't been savvy enough to get help for your daughter, do you think you would have sought help on your own? And I ask the question because there is such a stigma in our mm -hmm. community uh, and sometimes even in the church. One of the reasons I have this program is to educate the public about mental health, the benefits of mental health um, intervention, and um, especially within the body of Christ, because sometimes we can think, oh, you know, uh, if as, long, as long as I'm praying and I have faith, I don't need actual secular, you know, psychological intervention. And so would you have gotten help for yourself had it not been, for knowing enough to take your daughter, do you think? Where I was at um, in that season in my life, um, I was an advocate of counseling okay, because good. of other mm -hmm. situations that the Lord had brought me through. Mm -hmm. And counseling was a key instrumental, okay. you know, avenue for me to receive my mm -hmm. healing. Now, 
my sister, on the other hand, she mm-hmm. felt just like you stated, like, mm-hmm. no, I can do this on my own. Okay. Me and you know, the Lord. Of, right. <laughs> yes. But that was because of the anger mm-hmm. that she was dealing mm-hmm. with. I don't think she wanted to expose it mm-hmm. because she felt ashamed to actually be angry. Mm-hmm. Because as we're grieving, mm-hmm. sometimes we feel like I shouldn't be mad. Mm-hmm. I should be sad. Mm-hmm. Why am I mad? Mm-hmm. And that's one emotion that we can get stuck in if we don't continue the healing process. Yes, that's right. I've done programs in the past on grieving and loss. And one of the um, best things that my guest, Linda Bazogany said, she's a licensed professional counselor. She said, whatever you're feeling is normal. Right. (laughs) There are no right or wrong feelings. It's whatever you feel and giving yourself permission to have those feelings. And we can study the Psalms in the Bible and see that God is okay with anger. David David was ranting and raving many times throughout the Psalms. Right. And that has encouraged me in my life to know that no matter what I'm feeling, I can just pour my heart out to the Lord, even if it's anger at him, because guess what? He already he knows. knows anyway. Yes. And so um, say more about um, the process for your daughter, Simone, as an 11 year old. And, and what a blessing for her to be able to get the counseling she needed at a young age, right at the time of the trauma. And the loss, because as we know, as adults, um, many of the things we're dealing with in our lives as adults are traced back to our childhood. It's not a cliche when the psychologist asks you, tell me about your childhood. And so what a blessing and an opportunity for Simone to get help at age 11 at the time of the trauma and the loss and be able to get some healing. What was that process like for her? I was so thankful to God that he opened that door for us. Um, I have to state that they were extremely close. She Mm -hmm. was like a second mom. Mm -hmm. You know, she she felt the shoes that I couldn't feel, whatever the situation. I did a lot of traveling at the time on my job. So Kim was there to just, you know, be that caregiver. Mm -hmm. Um, So Simone was very close to her. Simone was open to whatever mom said she needed to do. Mm -hmm. You know, and she was so broken and she was so hurt at the Mm -hmm. time. And so it was an answered prayer to hear about Judy's house. Um, what happened the first day that we walked in that door was amazing. We mm. walked in the door, and of course she was, you know, nervous, but yet um, wanted to go. Mm-hmm. When we walked in the door, there was a friend of hers mm. that she went to school with that had experienced the loss of her father to suicide that summer. Mm. So she had not seen that friend over the summer. So as soon as we walked in the door and they saw each other, they embraced each other. And there was an immediate connection of, oh, my goodness, there's someone here that has lost someone. Mm -hmm. And then when they both discovered that they had lost their loved ones to suicide, that just took down that wall of fear and anxiety for Simone. Mm. Because she was and she admitted that there was some embarrassment Mm -hmm. around her auntie Mm. taking her life. She did not understand why her auntie did not want to be here for her. Yes, that, and that's a the child's point of view right. that, that um, what, wasn't I enough to exactly. make her want to live. Yeah. So she struggled with, why didn't she love me enough mm-hmm. to stay? Mm-hmm. Why didn't she love me mm-hmm. enough to fight? Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was her struggle. And again, she admitted, I'm embarrassed mm-hmm. to tell my friends mm-hmm. that my auntie took her life. Mm-hmm. And that was a sign to her of weakness. Mm-hmm. So to be able to o- overcome that and get an understanding of the mental state that her aunt right. was in right. was huge in her healing 
an acceptance process that it wasn't that she didn't love her. Mm -hmm. It wasn't that she didn't care. It wasn't that she was weak. It was that she was actually sick. Yes. Yes. So being able to educate your daughter at such a young age Mm -hmm. about um, mental illness, Mm -hmm. about depression, and um, that it wasn't a shortcoming of Simone's that her aunt took her life. Yes, it was huge. Mm -hmm. Well, what a blessing to have those kinds of resources in our community. And while every community may not have that exact same um, resource, every community has mental health resources. And so please um, feel free to visit my website, drpegradio.com, for a list of at least local resources in the Denver metro area for mental health uh, intervention. Well, you're listening to Living Well with Dr. Peg. I'm your host, Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark, and we're going to take a a break to hear from our sponsor. And when we come back, Lene Hutt will explain the challenges of grieving through the holidays. Uh, Lene, you talked about uh, the first birthday, the first Christmas without her, um, the first Easter, um, and what a challenge that was. Don't go away. Stay with us. One needs to look no further than today's headlines to understand the threats facing American schools. They remain soft targets for violent threats, and yet our schools go largely underprepared. Our children deserve the highest level of education in the safest learning environment possible. The SSI Guardian QAL, or Quick Action Lockdown, is the fastest and safest way to lock down a classroom. This revolutionary device provides schools with maximum locking protection while meeting all safety, fire, and building codes. Designed by the leading lock experts in the world, the QAL is the only lock that meets Department of Homeland Security primer recommendations. SSI Guardian QAL now makes classroom lockdowns fast and safe with the red button. As a parent, you have every right to demand that your child is afforded the best classroom protection. Take action today by calling SSI Guardian at 877-878-5800 or go to guardianprotect.com. That's guardianprotect.com. With SRN News, I'm Ron DeRockstra. Donald Trump met with Mitt Romney for about 90 minutes today at the President-Elect's Golf Course in Bedminster, New Jersey. The 2012 Republican presidential nominee told reporters afterwards they had a far-reaching conversation but did not respond to questions about whether he would consider joining the Trump administration. The meeting was the first of many Mr. Trump has scheduled for today. New York Democratic Senator Chuck Schumer threatening political payback if congressional Republicans and President-elect Trump try to undo President Obama's major legislative achievements. The incoming Senate minority leader says, quote, Republicans will rule the day if they repeal Obamacare. Minnesotans are shoveling out from the first big snowstorm of the season. Parts of the state got about two feet of snow overnight. The Minnesota State Patrol reports nearly 450 crashes, about 860 spinouts, and at least two deaths blamed on icy roads. This is SRN News. Renting in Denver, Denver rents have consistently gone up in 014, 15, and through today. Can you imagine how high your rents will be next year? You already know this, but you've struggled to save $10,000, $20,000 or more in down payment to buy your own home. I'm Brian Murphy, owner of Front Range Mortgage, and I may have your ticket out of renting and into a home of your own. We are proud to announce our new 1% down payment purchase program that can get you out of your landlord's pocket and into your own home. 
1% down payment equals $3,000 to get you into a $300,000 home. That's $3,000 to own your own home. Call me and my local Colorado-only team for a painless five-minute conversation to see how quickly we can get you into your own home with a mere 1% down payment. Our number, 303-500-1900. That's 303-500-1900. Or visit frontrangemortgage.com. And MLS 378844, regulated by the Division of Real Estate. Hello, this is Pastor Jeff, and I consider it a privilege to preach the Word of God to you every day on the radio. But I would like to invite you to personally come and worship the Lord with us. Harvest Bible Chapel is now conveniently located in two different locations. Our Inglewood campus is just a mile west of I-25 in Hamden. Currently, we meet in Inglewood Saturday nights at 5 p.m. and Sunday mornings at 9 o'clock and 11 o'clock. We now also have a Broomfield campus that is located at 3400 Industrial Lane right off the Boulder Turnpike. Our Broomfield campus meets every Sunday morning at 10 o'clock. Whether you are new to the faith, checking things out, or a seasoned disciple, we invite you to come and worship the Lord with us. For more information about any of our ministries or locations, please visit our website at www.harvestdenver.org. Again, that's harvestdenver.org. I'm looking forward to worshiping the Lord with you soon. You are loved. To learn more about living well with Dr. Pegg, visit drpegradio.com. And now, Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark. Welcome back, everyone. We're talking with ordained minister and lay counselor, Mrs. Lene Hutt. Lene, thank you so much for being on the program. Do, do you get called Mrs. Lene Hutt very often? Not often. <laughs> Mrs. Hutt, unless it's your child's teacher, right? <laughs> Sounds good. Yes. Well, thank you so much for being uh, so transparent and sharing what I know has to be painful memories, good memories. And that's mm-hmm. kind of... Um, what we're talking about here, how the the joy and the sorrow can coexist and how that really gets amplified Mm -hmm. during the holiday season. Um, So talk about what it was like uh, in the immediate aftermath of of Kim's uh, tragic suicide uh, after two other attempts being brought back from the dead through the power of prayer only for her to escalate. And we see pills and um, you know, in the garage with the carbon monoxide and escalating to gunshot. Right. Um, and so really just to see how depression can take a hold of someone, the, the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And he does that through deceit. And so losing your, your, your beloved sister so tragically after having so much hope that things were turning around, it had to have been difficult Um every passing milestone of her birthday or um, as we're talking about now, Thanksgiving holiday, Christmas holiday. Talk about what that was like for you and your family. It it was very painful and it was very confusing Mm -hmm. because for me and for others in my family, you have this guilt um, where you actually feel like you should not be happy. Yes. You actually feel like you should not have joy. Mm. And we know that's a deception of the Mm -hmm. enemy. Um, So as you're going through these um, moments that, you know, you should be celebrating, Mm -hmm. you could experience a high in the moment and you could experience a low at the same time because you'll remember that one 
that person that you've mm-hmm. lost and say, well, they're not here. They can't experience it. So I shouldn't have fun. Mm-hmm. I shouldn't experience joy or emotions that make me smile um, or or just happiness in that moment. Mm-hmm. So you feel guilty because that person is not there to be able to share those good moments and times with you, especially over the holiday. You talked about the first, mm-hmm. you know, Easter, the first birthday. For my children, for example, for their birthdays that year after her passing, I, f- I couldn't celebrate mm-hmm. because she wasn't present. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't present. Mm. And what finally came to me is, What broke that is I thought about what Kim would say to me Mm -hmm. in this celebration. Mm -hmm. She would not want me to be sad. She would not want me to not be present. Mm -hmm. She would want me to live. Mm -hmm. So I decided I was going to live for her because that's what she would want me to do. In our family, I've pretty much been known as, you know, kind of that person that, would hold things up and encourage and Mm -hmm. motivate and inspire and get everybody, you know, running back to whatever the milestone or the issue might need to be at that time. So I knew she would want me to live Mm -hmm. and experience and enjoy the moment to Mm -hmm. be present. Yes. Because I wasn't present that first year. And that's such a, a good observation and revelation of, um, because she wasn't present, it caused you to not be present, to not show up, to get so caught in, caught in your grief. And as you said, feeling guilty of um, how can I be happy <laughs> when my loved one is not here and, and is gone under such tragic circumstances. Exactly. Yes. And so really knowing um, who she was, she wouldn't want you suffering and and not experiencing joy in the moment she absolutely would have wanted me to be me mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so what would you tell someone who's listening now saying well that's easy to say <laughs> but um you know they're in the midst of that that sorrow right now even as they're listening uh to our interview what are what are some other ways that you coped or helped your daughters cope or uh, talk about your mom and, Mm -hmm. and, and how, how did you all get through this? Well, you know, the one thing I want to share real quick is a quick testimony. Um, Mm -hmm. Prior to Kim's memorial service, a friend came over to my house to visit me and to encourage me. Mm -hmm. And not even a year prior, she had lost her sister. Mm. And she made a comment to me that stuck with me. She said, Lene, if you will allow Jesus to heal your heart Mm. daily Mm. from this day Mm. forward, you will find yourself one day in a place where you can actually say, I'm okay." Mm -hmm. Not that you won't miss that person, but you'll be okay." Mm -hmm. And Dr. Pegg, when she made that comment Mm. to me, I couldn't. I couldn't really receive it. Mm-hmm. I couldn't see it because I was so hurt mm-hmm. and devastated at the time. But I woke up the next day and I said, I'm going to do it. I'm mm-hmm. gonna, Jesus, I'm going to allow you to heal my heart. Mm-hmm. Amen. And one day I did wake up and I was okay, but it took time. But some of the practical things that um, I did was, of course, the counseling. Mm-hmm. And journaling was a big mm-hmm 
part of my healing mm-hmm. process. Um, sometimes you can't really express to someone, or maybe you're too embarrassed to express to someone what you're feeling in that moment. So I'm a real big advocate of journaling. You actually blessed me with a journal at one point <laughs> Not in time. Not knowing that, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so to write down your thoughts and what you're feeling and what you're experiencing in the now is a good therapeutic way to begin that healing process. When you go back and you look at what you were thinking Mm -hmm. and what you put down on paper and to experience those thoughts and realize, wow, I I, I was really hurt. Mm -hmm. And to know that the Lord brought you through that is is such a experience of gratitude Mm -hmm. and thanksgiving, you know, of knowing that. You made it through. Amen. Because you can see where you were and how far the Lord has brought you. And, you know, when you describe um, healing your heart daily, just the power of the Holy Spirit that you you, you say, okay, Lord, I will let you do this. Yes. Because <laughs> uh, God isn't going to violate our will. And so he says, cast your burdens on me. I care for you. And so we have to do that willingly. Uh, and it, I see it similarly to forgiveness. Uh, mm. We we really can only forgive through the power of the Holy Spirit. Yes. And so to receive that healing, especially when there's the complicated mix of guilt and anger and, and despair um, and just not understanding, um, how do we do that in our own strength? And we so can't. really just making the decision, Lord, I'm going to give this to you. Lord, I don't know how, I, I can't figure it out for myself, but will you take this? I give this to you. Heal Absolutely. my heart. Yeah, amen. And we know um, these experiences, these emotions um, are for a season. The Bible says weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. So, and, you know, there's a time for grieving and a time, you know, um, for all those different emotions. And if we remember that, that any emotion we're having is okay, it's normal, and there's a time for it, and and it will pass if we give it over to the Lord. Absolutely. You talked about gratitude. That Mm -hmm. sounds like an antidote for grief, but probably not anything you really want to do at first. And again, it gets amplified around Thanksgiving. What's Thanksgiving all about? But to be thankful and grateful, and yet you're angry, you're sad, you're going through grief. Say more about that for you. Well, you know, uh, gratitude is, is is such a core of our lifestyle as believers, as Christians, people of faith. Um, I really believe that gratitude really is stemmed from our prayer life. If we are constantly praying mm. and praying about our circumstances mm-hmm. and our situations and seeking the Father those things that we need and even desire gratitude can't help but bubble up inside Mm -hmm. of us Mm -hmm. you know because you said some key things just earlier where would we be when we go through devastating situations Mm -hmm. and sorrow and despair if it wasn't for the lord Mm -hmm. so staying prayerful it bubbles that that um emotion and that gratitude inside of us and Mm -hmm. it really becomes who we are as believers because if you go and you take a snapshot of your life prior (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. 
Mm. You'll see just what the Lord has done. Mm-hmm. When I take a snapshot and I look at that season when we lost mm-hmm. him, I, I sometimes mm-hmm. wonder, how did I get through that? Mm-hmm. You know, how did I make it through? But I know it was the yes. Lord, and I'm so grateful for that. Mm-hmm. You know, was it hard? Was it difficult? Was it something that I ever would want anyone to experience mm-hmm. or have to even experience again? No, but I'm grateful mm-hmm where he has brought me from, that I'm able to actually give back to others Mm -hmm. and share what he did for me in that season. And he's no respecter of person. Mm -hmm. So if he did it for me, he'll do it for you. you. And it's, it's amazing how that sorrow can draw you closer to the Lord, can enhance your intimacy. And so, um, you know, we're, we're grateful for that in the end. And, you know, I, again, I look at the Psalms and David um, how often in the Psalms he cried out, Lord, where are you? Wake up, get up, help me. <laughs> and, you know, people are coming after me and just, you know, filled with sorrow and fear. But if you study the Psalms, yeah. ultimately he always ends, David always ends praising the Lord. And so we know that I call it godly sorrow, that mm-hmm. there, God, God, God is there for us in our sorrow. If we draw closer to him, um, we can get through it. Um, blessed are those who mourn and he's close to the brokenhearted. And so if we remember that in my sorrow, I can have a level of intimacy that I haven't previously been able to enjoy if I surrender to that process. So true. Yes. Amen. Well, um, we're going to continue talking about this complex (laughs) topic of grief and gratitude and joy Um, especially over the holidays, and how uh, giving may also be an antidote. Uh, We talked about gratitude and really being conscious about being grateful and thankful to the Lord. Uh, We'll talk more about how giving also, especially during the holiday seasons, can help a person get through their grief and their loss and pain. You're listening to Living Well with Dr. Pegg. I'm your host, Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark, and my guest is Minister Lene Hutt. When we come back, she'll share her insights on how giving can help you make it through the holidays. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Schools can no longer afford not to invest in a professional evidence-based advanced safety education training program. It's the single most important decision and investment a school administrator will ever make in their professional career. When all else fails, training and preparation are the only things that will increase your chances of survival in a violent incident such as an active shooter or active terrorism. SSI Guardian has set the new standard in advanced safety education by providing evidence-based advanced training programs tailored to your needs. While there are many basic training programs largely based on opinion and emotion. SSI Guardian is the only advanced training program of its type with an accredited continuing education unit or CEU issued by an accredited university. SSI Guardian has set the new standard in advanced safety education by providing evidence-based advanced training and solutions to learning institutions, faith-based and professional organizations. To learn more, call SSI Guardian today at 877-878-5800 or visit guardianprotect.com. To learn more about living well with Dr. Peg, visit drpegradio.com. And now, Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark. Hey. 
Welcome back, everyone. My guest today is lay counselor and minister Lene Hutt. And, you know, I, I wrote a book called Doggy Tales, Lessons on Life, Love, and Loss. I learned from my dog. And my dog, Dallas, helped me to grieve myself after a painful loss. I adopted Dallas just one day after my divorce. And she helped to take me out of my own self-centeredness. She got me focused on something, someone outside of myself and my own pain. And most importantly, she told, she taught me just how much God loves me. Mm. <laughs> and to learn more about that, you can read my book, Doggy Tales. I thought I rescued Dallas, but really, in the end, she rescued me. <laughs> um, your family recently adopted a, a dog in the last couple of years, didn't you? Mm-hmm. Pepper. <laughs> Pepper. <laughs> <laughs> Well, let's talk about uh, giving. And a dog is the gift that keeps on giving. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They require a lot of work, but you get so much. Unconditional love is really, you know, what what dogs, I think, teach us is it doesn't matter what we do. Dogs love us. Absolutely. (laughs) And God loves us, too. So let's talk about how giving can help you and did help you cope with loss and sadness, especially during the holidays. Right. Yes. Um, You know, it, it absolutely is something that we all need. You know, we all need to be givers. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's always a, the receiver and then there's the giver, but it should be reciprocal. Mm-hmm. We can't always be the giver. We can't yes. always be the receiver. But in times of sour and mm-hmm. grief and when you've come through that season of understanding, mm-hmm. acceptance, you know, and knowledge around it, and you can breathe again mm-hmm. and say, okay, it's, it's my turn mm-hmm. to give. It's a delight for you. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that God birthed in me was a a small group study called Heal Without Scars. Mm -hmm. And that was based around the loss of Kim and just coming together as women to really exhaust the issues of our heart. You know, what was going on inside of us that we really needed to deal with. So Mm. Heal Without Without Scars was a core instrumental um, way of me giving back. I was at a point in time in my life where I knew I had to support women that needed hope, mm-hmm. you know, because we need to understand that there is hope and there is a future and there is a plan and a purpose that God has for mm-hmm. you, even though you have, you know, come out of the dark side of some kind of situation. Uh, so that study group really, it not only blessed the women that attended, it blessed me mm-hmm. because there was still some residue. Yes. You know what I mean? Years I, later, right? Right. Yeah. You know, there was still some residue mm-hmm. that had to be dealt with, with even in my soul and in my spirit from that loss and that traumatic mm-hmm. situation. So um, my mom, I have to share my mom's personal testimony. She participated, like I said earlier, in a group counseling um, study for parents that lost children mm-hmm. in our local town in mm-hmm. Michigan. And after about a year of completing that, she was called upon to actually be one of the leaders of wow. that group study. And mm-hmm. so she was able to give back, mm-hmm. you know, what she had partaked of um, in her loss and in her grief mm-hmm. and to be able to support other parents that had lost children. So mm-hmm. I just thought that was so awesome for her to, to be asked to be yes. a part of that on the other side. Yes. You know, on the other side, being the giver, not the receiver. Right. And that's a good way to gauge just how far the Lord, Lord has brought you and how much you have yourself healed. Yes. That, at, as you're saying, at first, it's important for people going through a loss to recognize they do need to ask for help. I recently had a program 
about caregivers and um, someone who's caring for a loved one who's ill or disabled and how important it is to ask for help. And similarly, someone going uh, through the grieving process uh, should ask for help. But we, we rally around um, the widow or, you know, the, the uh, survivor after the death of a loved one. And we bring casseroles and we call and say, what can I do for you? Uh, but I always mark on my calendar about a month or two out to reach out to that person when everything has kind of gotten quiet and they're back to their normal routine and no one's bringing the casseroles anymore and they may not feel they can or should ask for help a month and two months later. That's when I call because so many people won't ask for what they need. And so we can be a, we need to learn how to receive in our time of need and we can kind of gauge how much we're healing when we feel that we can turn around and, and be a blessing to someone else mm-hmm. and, and help someone else. So I really like that. I like that you're being proactive mm-hmm. and that you're actually being conscious of the fact that, that 30 days is going to come, mm-hmm. 60 days, 60 is days. or come. on that person's birthday, right. someone who's lost a mother, reaching out to them on Mother's Day. We tend to forget to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, we just go on about our lives. Uh, but that person who's suffered that loss, it gets very pronounced. Um, uh, for you, did you find that, um, in the beginning, you were very aware of Kim's absence from your life. But as time went on, did you find, you know, days or weeks or months might go by and you realize, oh, wow, I haven't really thought her about her in that same um, sad way as before and kind of realizing, OK, I'm, I'm moving on. I'm healing. Uh, it was like a roller coaster. Mm. You know, uh, there was days when I was OK. And there was days when I just felt like I had hit rock bottom again mm. with the grief. Mm-hmm. Uh, but after the first year, that's when I could truly say I could see things getting better. Um, what my family did after the first year was we took a family cruise. Mm-hmm. And wow. the intention of the cruise was to celebrate her life, mm. not to celebrate the first year of her being gone. But to acknowledge what a dear soul and spirit she was. And on the cruise, we had a wonderful time. Mm-hmm. And we dedicated one dinner to her. Mm-hmm. Everybody dressed in white. Mm-hmm. And after dinner, um, everyone shared, what you know, some special story or something about her that was just near and dear to them, even the children. Mm-hmm. Of course, it was tears, but there yes. was laughter also. Yes. And that's how we kind of, I think, wrapped up. We're moving Mm -hmm. on. Mm -hmm. We'll never forget her. We were blessed to have her the 45 years that she was in our life. Mm -hmm. But we're going to be okay as a family, Mm -hmm. and we're going to move on. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, you do. I think it's okay to understand that you're going to have the highs Mm -hmm. and you're going to have the lows. But that person wants us to live. Yes, yes. And, again, we can seek the Lord to comfort our broken heart and, mm-hmm. and, and turn over the, the pain and the sorrow to him to mm-hmm. carry for us. And so as the years have gone on, do you do anything special uh, to remember Kim around the holidays or on her birthday? You know, I wouldn't say that there's like a special um, ritual or anything that we do, but I do talk a lot about Kim. Mm-hmm. Um, I've have pictures that we look at um, on a constant basis. Mm-hmm. I have pictures in my home. You know that. Mm-hmm. 
So we're constantly talking about her. We have conversations about her on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. Uh, our youngest, Elise, is 11, so she was only um, close to 24 months, close to two when Kim passed. So she doesn't have a lot of personal mm-hmm. memories. Memories are the ones that we share with right. her. And so she'll tell you about her Auntie Kim, but she can't really remember those things, just right. what we've shared with right. her. So That's good. And so what would you like uh, the legacy of her life to be? I, I had a guest on the show, um, Chief Michael Beckman, who's a law enforcement um, police chief out in California, and he lost his son tragically to suicide after several attempts. Mm. And um, he goes around the country now and was a guest on my program talking about the legacy of Stephen, um, the lessons that he's learned from Stephen's life and uh, about mental health intervention and taking action. And so that's part of the legacy, that Stephen's story helps people become more aware of depression and suicide. What would you like the legacy of Kim's life to be? Very much the same. Um, I would like people to understand that they have hope. Mm-hmm. In spite of Kim's tragic loss, there's always hope. Mm-hmm. Um, I would like people to know that when you are dealing with depression, you can seek help. Mm-hmm. Don't be ashamed. Don't be embarrassed to seek that help that you know that you need and to speak up. Mm-hmm. I can remember me and her sitting at the table and I could see in her eyes that there was no hope. Mm-hmm. And I don't ever want anyone to feel like they don't have hope. Mm-hmm. Again, her her story is tragic, but I want people to know that they can always seek help and there is hope. Mm-hmm. And restoration and healing will come yes. if you allow it. Yes, amen. And that's a message for those um, suffering with the burden of depression and suicidal thoughts. And I also think uh, one of the messages and the legacy is even after tragedy, tragedy and loss and sadness and grief, there's still hope that Mm -hmm. you're still here. Your family's still here giving back, making a difference for others and just glorifying the Lord and showing, being able to give that testimony of what the Lord has done for you and how he's brought you through. Amen. Amen. Uh, well, thank you so much, Lene Hutt, Minister Lene Hutt, my friend, my dear friend, my sister, mm-hmm. uh, Minister of the Gospel. Um, you you are an active minister. You're, you're a lay counselor and um, also getting involved in marriage ministry. And yes. so is, is there an upcoming class in the new year that um, you can tell people about just yes. where, where to go? Yes, at our local church, Colorado Christian Fellowship on Islet and Havana. We will be teaching marriage one-on-one. For those couples that are engaged and getting ready to get married, or even those couples that want to enhance their marriage. Yes. yes. So All we'll right. talk about tools and ways that you can enrich your marriage Amen. ongoing. And that'll be uh, in the new year, yes. 2017. Exactly. Praise the Lord. Well, again, listeners, I'd like to remind you, you can check out my book, Doggy Tales, and do something different for a change on Amazon or on my website. And you can also learn about my mental health, wellness, and safety consulting and workshops at drpegradio.com. My guest today has been Lene Hutt, and I'm Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark, reminding you to live well. Thank you for listening to today's broadcast of Living Well with Dr. Peg. Living Well with Dr. Peg is brought to you by SSI Guardian, who has set the new standard in advanced safety education. 
If you'd like to learn more about the show, our sponsor, or mental health consulting and publishing services, visit www.drpegradio.com. Remember to join us every Saturday at 1 p.m. on 94.7 KRKS-FM for Living Well with Dr. Peg.